the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. Joining me on the line right now is a former WCW and WWE and WWF referee. He's a member of the New England Wrestling Hall of Fame. He is Mr. Billy Silverman. Billy, welcome in to the two-man power trip. Hey, hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. No problem at all. And you got a big couple of shows coming up. WrestleStock is coming to Tampa Bay, Florida, April 9th and 10th, part of Scott Wilder Promotions. How do you feel about this uh, convention scene kind of coming back alive, WrestleStock down in Tampa? I think it's great. I'm really looking forward to WrestleStock uh, 2021. Um, It's going to be like the WrestleMania of uh, personal appearances and wrestling conventions. Um, Scott Wilder Promotions puts on some really, really great uh, conventions, and I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of the fans and just seeing a lot of old acquaintances and friends that I haven't seen in many years. Pretty great that Scott Wilder's putting this thing together. Obviously, you can find out more from Scott Wilder Promotions. Just head out to Facebook and check them out over there. But it's pretty great to be able to kind of get in the swing of things again because COVID kind of killed and pandemics killed conventions for a while. So that is a great thing to kind of be able to get this big show together. It, it is, it is. And it, it just, you know, says a lot about Scott to be willing to take the, you know, the risk pretty much during, you know, this whole COVID situation um, I think now it's kind of settling down and people are getting the vaccine. So um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an incredible event. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of people that are going to be there that, you know, people haven't seen in many years. Chavo Guerrero, um, Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, the Nasty Boys, uh, the, oh, I just lost my train of thought on uh, the Headbangers, um, Tony Atlas, um, Virgil, there's going to be so many different guys there from so many different eras and so many different backgrounds. 
um, in the wrestling business. I just think it's going to be a real treat for all the fans that come out, and I really hope they come out um, and enjoy the Fan Fest WrestleStock 2021. It's going to be part of the WrestleMania weekend. It's going to be the WrestleMania of wrestling conventions. I don't think you're going to want to miss it. Very cool. And, of course, headlined by Sergeant Slaughter and the Bushwhackers. So really, really cool to get the uh, big-time legends involved as well. It is. It is. And, and for, you know, Scott to land those, you know, that talent or those talents to come in for um, a convention of this magnitude just, you know, again, speaks volumes about how Scott runs his promotions, how he runs his conventions. Um, I've had the opportunity to work for Scott before at different um, conventions, and he's a first-class act. He does everything first-class, um, and he really knows how to run a great convention. So I, I'm I'm really over the Talk excited about it again just to see so many guys that I haven't seen that I've worked with over you know the last 30 years and and just to get to see a lot of the fans because that's a big part of it is you know being able to interact with the fans I mean it's amazing how these fans like they just remember you and how they know matches that you did and places that you work that you know you've completely forgotten about but the minute they, you know, remind you of it, it was like it was yesterday. So uh, for me, I love the fans. I love being out there. I love interacting with them. I love signing pictures and taking pictures with them. Um, so for me, these are great events. It just, you know, gives me a real chance to, you know, look back into the time capsule and have a great opportunity to really share some good stories with, you know, a lot of the wrestling or great wrestling fans that come out to these as well as, you know, just kind of re rekindle some good friendships that I've had over the years with a lot of really top wrestling names and talent out there. And it'll be just be Luke the Butchwhacker. No Butch, but it will be Luke, which is very cool to get him there as well, obviously. Kind of a more of a rare, rare get for the convention scene. Yeah, as far absolutely. As, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, as, as far as doing that and getting the fans, Pretty cool because there were so many conventions for a while that completely stopped, so no fans were, you know, be able to interact with any of the wrestlers. This is going to be great because it's kind of going to open things up again, I hope, you know, and, and get some more uh, fan interaction, just get, get it going again. It is, and I think, excuse me, I think people are really ready to get out and interact just with people in general. I mean, we've been so locked down and, um, all you've really had is like the internet, but that's not even, it's, I mean, it's not personal. It's not being able to shake somebody's hand. It's not being able to have your picture taken with, you know, somebody that you're a big fan of. Um, it's not being able to be live right there. And I think this is, I, I just think this is going to be a super opportunity for the fans to come out and to get the chance to be really interactive with all the great talent that's going to be there. Like you said, size of the slaughter. Uh, Bushwhacker Luke, um, again, Tony Atlas, the Headbangers, the Nasty Boys, uh, Greg Valentine, um, uh, uh, who don't say Brutus Barber, the Beefcake. I mean, there's just so much talent that's being brought into this um, event that it's it's going to really be a who's who of wrestling in different periods of time in wrestling. Um, and I really, I just think that the wrestling fans really need this. They, you know, they've been so or we've been so cut off from each other just in general from, you know, from being locked down from the COVID that I think um, it's really going to give people a chance to come out, enjoy each other, 
you know, listen to some great stories, have some great pictures taken with people that you don't get to see all the time. I mean, Sergeant Slaughter doesn't do a lot of these conventions. Um, I'm excited to see him. I've worked with Sergeant Slaughter for many, many years. I knew him personally. Um, I worked with him. God, I've worked with him for the last 35, almost probably 40 years when I was first breaking in, I worked with him. Um, and he's an incredible person and he's an incredible talent. Um, and to just know that he's going to be there, I'm, I'm excited for it myself. I'm, I'm a big fan of his myself, like I said, because I got to work with him and know him. And he's got, he's had quite an incredible career. And I think if people come out and get to hear some of his, you know, stories about the places he's been and he's worked with all the top talent. I mean, he's worked with the uh, Iron Sheik. He's worked with. Hulk Hogan. He's been involved in many, many incredible storylines. So it's going to be a big treat for the wrestling fans. Uh, and as far as the Bushwhackers, I wish both of them were coming in. Um, but I understand that Bushwhacker Luke is here. He lives here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I can tell you that I worked with him many, well, I worked with both him, uh, Butch and Luke when they were the sheep herders. And I don't know how many people remember that. Prior to w, them coming into the WWF, they were called the Sheep Herders. They were based out of Puerto Rico, um, and they had some incredible runs. They had a manager named Jonathan Boyd. Uh, they worked with all the top, all the top uh, babyface teams throughout the United States, and they've had a real storied career themselves. And I'm looking forward to seeing Luke again, just to you know reminisce about the times when I worked with them when they were the Sheep Herders. Uh, when I was very young, and then when I got to work with them when they became the Bushwhackers in the WWF. And it was such a, a change from what they had done prior to going to that that I thought, wow, it was incredible that I got to work with them as a top heel team um, and got to work with them as a top babyface baby act. And how incredible they were to be able to pull that off coming from always working as heels. So, again, I think the fans are going to get a great opportunity. They're going to have the opportunity to ask Luke a lot of questions. They're going to have great opportunities to have pictures taken with them. I mean, it's it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime event. I really, like, I really believe that because of the plethora of talent that's coming in, people from that have been in WCW, people that have been in WWF, people that have been in WWE, and not, you know, and it's top talent that's been, you know, that's been on the top of the mountain that Scott's bringing in um, to WrestleStock. So I, I, I'm just, I'm excited. I think I'm more excited for the fans than I am to go. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a great time for the fans. I, I just enjoy the fans and I enjoy doing the fan fest. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So I really hope and that you can get your tickets. You can buy them. Advanced tickets are $10. They're $20 at the door. Um, I'd advise you to get them, you know, get them early so you make sure you don't, you don't miss out. Um, but it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great two day. It's going to be two days. It's going to be Friday, April 9th, and it's going to be Saturday, April 10th. Um, two days of a lot of incredible talent that's going to be here down in the Tampa, Florida area. So I, I hope anybody who has, is in the Tampa area, is around the Tampa area, if you're going to WrestleMania and you want to check out some other, different things to do while you're in Tampa, this is the thing. This is going to be the WrestleMania of fan fest and conventions. And I really think you'll be missing out if you don't get a chance to stop by 
um, and see some of the incredible talent that Scott Wilder has been able to contract and bring in. Yeah, the American Legion, post 248. Of course, it's on Cypress Street in Tampa, Florida. When you do these shows and you do these conventions, do most people say to you WCW and they talk about your run for there, or do they talk to you about your WWF run? It, you know, it, it's it, it's really a li- uh, half dozen of one, six of the other. Um, a lot of people, I guess both, because I mean, I had I had a fairly good career in WWF and had a lot of big moments there where I got to work with some of the most incredible talent. I got to work with Bret Hart, Owen Hart, um, Steve Austin. Um, who else did I work with there? The the Patriot, Davy Boy Smith. Um, some of the most incredible talent in the world. And, you know, in WCW, the same thing. I got to work with people like Kevin Nash. I got to work with Hulk Hogan, Randy Man, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage. Uh, so, I, I mean, the names just go on and on. I got to work with Ric Flair. I got to work with Terry Funk. Um, you know, so the, it's a Scott Hall. Um, so many of the top talent that went through both WCW and WWF as well as WWE. Um, I was very blessed and very fortunate to have a really long career and just have the opportunity, have some great opportunities and have some people that really liked me and have some blessings and have some good luck to really have the career that I've had. And um, it's a, I've had an incredible run. Um, I've had an incredible life, and I've been very blessed and, and very fortunate and lucky, and I'm very humbled to everybody who gave me the opportunities. I mean, I started out with Mario Savoldi's ICCW, ICW up in New England, and that's where I started out with. And, you know, I'm very I'm very blessed and very humbled that they gave me the opportunity. I, I'm grateful and humbled to Vince McMahon and the WWE for giving me the opportunity to go there and work. I'm humbled and, and grateful to Eric Bischoff, who gave me the opportunity to work for WCW, um, as well as many independent promoters. I, I worked for Herb Abrams for a few years, um, which was the UWF. I worked for a gentleman named Paul Alperstein out in Chicago, who ran a promotion called the AWF, which was a rounds um, kind of uh wrestling show was a little bit different and I don't know that the American audience was really um, ready for that or really understood it. I've, you know, been, I'm humbled and blessed to have worked for the Wild Samoans often Sika when they ran, were running in Pennsylvania and I've worked for so many different promotions from Maine all the way to Ohio to uh, Chicago to Las Vegas to California. So, I've I've really gotten to work for so many so many different promotions. Dino Sana, who ran a promotion in Pennsylvania, um, Tommy D, and out in Staten Island and Long Island, uh, just just an, an and just an incredible amount of of promotions that I, I that I was really lucky and blessed to have the opportunity to work for. So I think that it's it's a, a lot of a lot of all of it and and it's like people will just come up to me and it's incredible the matches that they remember or the places that I've been or or that they've met me and and you know it's just it it just my it's mind blowing it really is I know you were part of WrestleMania 13 were you a part of any other WrestleManias No WrestleMania 13 was my only appearance at a WrestleMania 
Um, and again, that was an incredible experience. It was out at, I believe, the Altel Arena in Chicago, um, which was, was called the Windy City. And trust me, that was just after it was like in March sometime that year. And trust me, it was the Windy City being out there and being a part of a WrestleMania is, it's, it's mind blowing. It really is all the production that goes into it, all the events that are scheduled, the, the production or the, the man, not even the manpower, but the amount of work, time, and energy that goes into producing a WrestleMania is just off the charts. I mean, you really have to see it from the inside to even imagine what it's all about. It's just like when I did many, many numerous pay-per-views for six years with WCW, uh, you know, Halloween Havoc was one of my favorite ones because it was always out in Las Vegas, and I love Las Vegas. Um, not because I'm a big gambler, but just it's a it's a real entertainment capital. Um, the Great American Bash to be a part of that pay per view, um, which was a big staple of WCW. Um, doing Bash at the Beach in Daytona Beach. I mean, there's just so many great opportunities and events I had the opportunity to be involved in from the production side from the producing side to see it all happen and being a part of it it's it, it you you can't even really describe it to anybody unless they've actually really been there and been a part of it because it's a real incredible experience both as being a performer and just being somebody watching it all being put together it's like a big puzzle that it all just has a, a million different pieces and they all have to come together and when it does, it's magic. It really is. You just kind of talk about the importance of your role as a referee. I feel a lot of people don't realize how important that role really is to the match. I mean, third man in the ring. It, it is. And, and I've always been told and taught that it's a baby face, it's a heel and a referee that makes a good match. And what what I think really helped me and was really what I was fortunate about is that I got to be seen by a lot of people. I had people that helped me. I had Richard Herring from the New York State Athletic Commission who had seen me working in a show in upstate New York, or not upstate, but I guess say middle state New York, wherever Cutcher's is, Cutcher's uh, New York, which is in the Catskills. Um, and he was with the New York State Athletic Commission and saw me work and really liked my work and, and offered me the opportunity to get a New York State um, referee license, which is very, at that time, they were very hard to come by. They didn't just kind of dole them out. Um, they, were, they were very political. You tended to have to be related to somebody or involved with, you know, some kind of pol political kind of affiliation, things like that. So when he was gracious enough to allow me and to help me get one of those licenses, I had the opportunity to be seen by the WWF and by all these other promoters around. So I pretty much owned from Maine to Pennsylvania um, when I worked. And the reason I did work was because I learned how to work. I learned the game. And I, I had the opportunity to be around so many great, incredible people that knew the business. Um, the, the Samoans helped me a great deal. Working with many of the, the young talent at the time for – ICCW and ICW, um, but people, what really helped me too is because most people, most promoters or independent promoters at the time, and I think it's still a little bit of the case now, 
um, don't didn't realize what a top referee could bring to a match because what they would do is they would book say two guys that had just come off TV from the WWF or the WCW bring them in and then they put them in with a $25 referee who really was usually somebody's cousin or brother or uncle or just somebody who was a fan of the business and it just didn't work. You can't go, you, you need to be a fan of the business and I am a fan of the business and I'm a fan of a lot of the wrestlers, but you also have to realize that you're a performer in there and you have a very, very important role and a very important part in that match. And a successful match will not happen without a top-notch referee that knows how to perform with the athletes that are in there. You can't be starstruck. You have to be athletic. You have to be in shape. I was always in shape. I always kept myself in shape. I always, always looked at, looked at it like who is going to see me. That's why I always had you know, my pants were always pressed. I always had a, a clean and pressed referee shirt because you never know who's going to see you, who's going to be looking at you. And I always felt like if you want to be the part, you have to dress the part. And I see that in a lot of a lot of independent shows. I just see guys that are referees that are out of shape that really don't understand it or they don't understand their importance in the ring um, and in that match. So with me, because... They got to see me working in WWF. They would bring me in because I could make, I could show you, I could show them the value of what having a referee who was not only a top notch, but also knew the game and could make their talent that they're spending a lot of money to bring in, make them look great instead of just paying two guys, say, a thousand dollars to bring them in and work in a match that really has no meaning because the referee they're working with really has no understanding of what to do with that talent in the ring and how important their role is in being a referee. Sometimes I feel like even the promoters don't realize how the referee can really heighten and make the match even better. They they don't. They really don't. And, and that goes back to what I had said about working for a lot of the independent promoters um, they just didn't want to pay referees. They just did not understand the value of a referee until they started seeing me work. And then, you know, I would come in and I would work with the WWF guys who I had worked with prior to being in New York or in, in the WWF. And then so I could go in and it was like they could see then how that all worked and how it made it work by somebody who was, who felt that felt and knew that my role was as important to that match as the baby face and the heel, because you can't put in there a $25 referee who has no idea what they're doing or is more in there and very starstruck and waste two guys that are there to help get the promotion over or to help them, excuse me, draw money that could make the difference between having a really good match and having a match that just kind of happened and really didn't get the fans drawn in because as an independent promoter, you you really rely on your ticket sales to drive your promotion. And, and the the more you can do to enhance, excuse me, your product in the ring, the better chance 
you're going to have of drawing money. As far as some of your favorite wrestlers to be a referee for, and I'm sure you were the favorite of some as well, who were some guys that stick out? Um, well, you know, I mean, a lot of times people ask me, who, what was your favorite match or what was the best match you ever did? And for, to honestly say that, I, I would be discounting anybody I worked with because every single match I worked, I felt like I learned something from whoever I was in the ring with. I felt honored to be in the ring with whoever I was. And every match was important. Everybody I worked with were superstars. Um, everybody I worked with were incredible talent. So I don't think there's one particular wrestler. I mean, I enjoyed, you know, I, I got to work with so many top talent. I got to work with Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, uh, Ric Flair, um, the Nasty Boys, um, the, the Steiner Brothers, uh, Rick and Scott. Um, you know, I just got to work with so many great, great talent that, um, you know, to really say which was my favorite all times, there, it, I, I don't know that I could really honestly say that um, because there were so many favorite matches that I had and so many favorite angles that I was a part of. So I don't know that I could honestly say that who was my absolute favorite. I mean, there were definitely guys that I worked with in that ring, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Sting, um, Terry Funk, that were just, they were incredible. You know, they were incredible workers. They had incredible minds and they understood the business and they understood how to make a match work. And those people made me better for working with them. And so um, there's just so many people. And there were so many incredible workers out there. I mean, I got to work with The Undertaker. I got to work with Triple H, uh, China, um, let me think, who else did I work with when I was there? Uh, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, um, just so many different people that were really incredible talents in their own way because everybody is so different um, in how they approach a match or how they, um, how they work a match. And so there are so many, so many incredible people out there, so many incredible, talented athletes Um one match that always comes to mind and, and I think was a, a real, it was an incredible match was a match I was very fortunate to be able to referee and I believe it was in 99 at Bash at the Beach and it was Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Now that was a clinic match. I mean, if anybody goes back so, and watches that, it, it's just two guys that were at the top of their game who were top talents. Other guys who I, I, I'm, I didn't mention, but they're still, I always enjoyed working with them is Dean Malenko, another guy, top, top guy. They don't come any better than Dean. They don't come any more skilled than Dean Malenko. Um, Eddie Guerrero again, uh, Chris Benoit, who was, I mean, regardless of what anybody thinks of him, he was an incredible talent and you can't take that away from him. You can't take away his contributions to the business. You can't take away what the mat or the matches he had in the business. I mean, you just can't erase those kind of things. It's, I know people like to erase history or want to try and erase history, but you can't. And he was a part of history. He was a part of some really great matches. Um, I've worked with Sid Vicious, um, 
you know, just everybody that I've worked with, uh, Brian Clark, Adam Baum, um, uh, who is his partner in Chronic, um, Adam, uh, oh, Brian Adams. Brian Adams, thank you. I was drawing a blank there. Thank you. Um, working with them was incredible. Working with Ming and Barbarian, um, Fit Finley, another incredible, incredible talent from Europe. Uh, William Regal, another incredible talent from uh, Europe. Uh, Dave, uh, oh, Dave, what is Dave's last name? He was with Fit, and um, he was part of the British. Um, uh, Dave Taylor, his name, and Dave Taylor. Thank you, incredible worker. I don't think he ever got the um, the acknowledgement of what the talent that he really is and was. He was. He was a, a great worker too. So I've just um Kevin Sullivan being in the ring with a, a mind like Kevin Sullivan was it, it was incredible. It really was. Macho Man Randy Savage, um, Ricky Steamboat, um I mean Ivan Koloff in the end of his career, I get to work with him. Uh working with Bob Backlin, um Johnny Ace, um the Blackhearts, um, Gangrel um, I mean, I could just go Luna Vachon, Mula, um, Malaya Osaka, um, Wendy Richter, uh, Leilani Kai. I mean, so many people. Judy Martin, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention her. Uh, Velvet McIntyre, any of Mula's girls, they set the standards. They were the forebearers of the Divas divisions and the ladies, you know, the ladies now. I mean, they they were trailblazers in their day. and. Um, incredible workers. So there's just so many. Like I said, uh, Kerry Von Erich, I worked with him. Uh, Big Bully Busick. Uh, God, I, I could, I just, it's, it's almost like a who's who of professional wrestling that, you know, I had the opportunity to work with and, and it was really incredible. The Ultimate Warrior, uh, Rick Rude. Um, God, I could just, it just seems like I, I, I can't even think I can remember all of the incredible talent. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes, uh, back in the day, who was a, you know, an incredible worker. Um, there, there was just so many people. Gorilla Monsoon, back in the day when I first started out. Uh, Carlos Colon, um, the Invaders, uh, the Samoans, Tony Atlas, I mean, I just I've been I've been very very blessed and very very lucky and I'm just so humbled to have had the career that I've had and to have the opportunities that I've had and I have nothing but gratitude and and humbleness in my heart for everybody who gave me you know opportunities I definitely took those opportunities and ran with them um, but if it not had not been for many many of those people that I've mentioned I would have never had the career that I did. And that's why I'm so grateful to everybody um, that gave me those opportunities and gave me the chance to see the world and to travel all over the United States and Europe and Canada, um, I've, the Philippines. I've been to Puerto Rico, and so I, I've worked in, a, in Australia. I've been to I've worked in Australia before. So um, I've I've been like I said. I just feel very blessed to have had the career that I had and to have been able to meet the people that I've met in the business and can say that many of those people have been my friends and 
say that I've been very honored to have the opportunity to work with many of those people. Um, I'm going to get to see Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton. Scott Norton is an incredible talent from WCW. Buff Bagwell was another. He he didn't get the run I felt he should have had at WWE or WWE, or WWE at the time. Um, but he was an incredible talent. And I think that had he been given some opportunities or maybe given some more chances he could have had a, he could have been a big star i honestly believe in wwe um i just don't think that the timing was right and i don't think the opportunities were there uh when the whole invasion angle happened and i think that it was done very it just wasn't thought out really well and i think if they would have thought it out better and um really given Buff Bagwell or Marcus Bagwell an opportunity, he could have really ran with it and done done some really great things in the WWE. And I think he could have been a big star in the WWE. So I think that in many, in many sense of the word, I think they, as much as Buff didn't get the opportunity to work in the WWF and have a career, I think they missed out as well. Also, I've gotten to work with Jerry Lawler and to watch him work behind the announce table. I've had the opportunity to work with Gordon Soley, um, working with Jim Ross, who is, he is just, he, he'll go down as probably one of, if not the <clears throat> number one play-by-play guys in the, in the wrestling business. I mean, he, he is the, he is the top of the game. And I, I don't think that there's ever going to be and there may be, I could be wrong, but I, I don't know that there's ever going to be another Jim Ross in the in the next maybe 20 or 30 years. Another one, Tony Schiavone, another incredible uh, announcer. Um, I've gotten to work with Dave Penzer, who is one of the best ring announcers in the wrestling business. Um, I mean, working with, um, you know, just all these people, Mike Tenay, uh, I've worked with Taz, Tommy Dreamer, all those kids, or I say kids, because we were all kids when we first broke in. Um, and then we all kind of branched out and went in different directions. Uh, working with ECW guys, PJ Walker, um, Tony, um, or Vito LaGrasso, working with um, the Baldies, uh, many of the ECW talent I've had the opportunity to work with. Working on, when I first broke in, I worked the fair circuits from Maine to Pennsylvania and worked with like Misty Blue Sims. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different midgets and learn all kinds of different things and uh, different, I can't even think the word I want to use, but different matches that we've been able to put together that they tend to like to do. Um, I got to work with Jerry Lawler in the ring when he was doing the the three midgets uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of them. Fleazy, uh, who was it? Queasy, yeah. Queasy, Sleazy, and then it was Little Louie, and it was Iggy, and I can't remember the third midget, and then Tiger Jackson. Um, I've gotten to work with some of the greatest tag teams ever. Um, they just, I just went to a Legends Legend, or a Legends Luncheon in, uh, Tampa that, uh, the, that Brian Blair hosts and puts on for different legends here in Tampa in the Florida area. And Al Perez was, happened to be the one that they honored at this last convention. And I, when I started out, Al Perez was Jumpin' Joe Savoldi's tag team partner. 
in the very or, or mid '80s with the ICCW and ICW. So it was really cool to reconnect with him and to see him. Um, so I, again, I've just had when I look back now, I think, oh my God, the career that I've had. I mean, working with Brian Blair. Uh, the Killer Bees, um, it's just, it blows my mind when I sit here and I think about all the people that I worked with and had the opportunity to meet. It's it's mind-blowing. It really, really is. And I, I, again, I just go back to that I'm very blessed, I'm very fortunate, and I'm very, very lucky. Um, you know, I had, I had the opportunity to apply my talent. Um, I always tried to be a student of the game so that I always felt like you Every match I worked, I always tried to, you know, learn something. Um, even when I first went to WCW, I had never worked with the Luchas uh, wrestlers from Mexico, and they had brought them in. And that's a very different style of wrestling and matches, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I had never gotten to work with the Luchadors, and they were, you know, Conan, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, uh, Psychosis, um, all of those guys, plus working with the Japanese wrestlers, uh, Yuji Nagato, uh, Juzen Thunderliger, um, even in the beginning, who was the forebear, I always thought of these death match and hardcore match was, uh, Otushi Oneida. Mario Savoldi brought him in one time to Cutcher's. And he was like, he, in my mind, was the first one to really start doing those, you know, exploding uh, barbed wire, you know, bat kind of matches. And that was really interesting to see and learn and to have a chance to work with talent like that from all over the world. Um, Again, working with Fit Finley, uh, Dave Taylor, uh, William Regal, those guys are incredible. Alex Wright another incredible European worker. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with Neil Mascaris. Um, so it's it's just been it's just been a who's who of everybody. And you know, when it's all happening, it's it's kinda all a big blur, it really is. Um, you know, you move from town to town to town. I mean one night you might be in Des Moines, Iowa, the next night you might be in Las Vegas, the next night you might be in Boston, Massachusetts. And when it's all happening, it all kind of runs together and you just don't realize um, all that you're experiencing and all that's happening. But now that I get to step back from it and get to do things like this, like the WrestleStock convention, um, I get to really relive it. And, and I, again, I, I just feel so honored um, to have been a part of the business and to have been a part of so many, so many people's careers. Um, you know, to be a part of Ric Flair's career in a small way, uh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, uh, Davey Boy Smith, and, 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 and there might be people that I'm, I'm not, not mentioning, but not because they're any lesser that I don't remember them. There's just so many of them. Um, that I, again, had the opportunity to work with, and I, I just feel so blessed about that, and I feel so fortunate every day that I had the career that I had, and, and God gave me the talent to be able to go out there and, and use that talent and to apply it and to really, you know, because in what I believe is that the fans, the business is about the fans, and if you don't believe that, because the fans are what drives the business. They're what drives your paycheck. They're what drives people to promote shows. 
And I've always felt like go out there and whether I was making 50 bucks a night or whether I was making a thousand bucks a night, I always believed go out there and give the fans what they paid for. You know, and I always, like I said, I always looked the part because I always felt like if I'm going to be this, I need to look like this. I, I can't look like a ham and egg or I can't, you know, have dirty sneakers or dirty jeans or, you know, be out of shape. I just, I, I just didn't believe that. I honestly believe that if I'm going to be in there, my job was to enhance that match and it was to help give those fans what they, what they came for and what they paid for. Absolutely. And you were definitely a part of the golden era of wrestling. There is no doubt about that. And just want to finally just wrap it up and say, WrestleStock, April 9th and 10th. Go to Scott Wilder Promotions for more. It's going to be a huge, huge weekend for wrestling. And it is. Convention. Hopefully, ho- convention's huge. Hopefully we'll, see, hopefully we'll see you down at WrestleStock this year. Oh, I hope to make it. This is going to be a pretty fantastic uh, convention. It is. Like, it is. Like, I hope. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, of course, definitely go to Scott Wilder Promotions. Find out more information. Anybody that's on the fence, I would highly recommend jumping over that fence and heading down to Tampa. For Absolutely, because they're going to miss. If if you miss this, you're going to miss out on one of the biggest and best conventions of 2021, and maybe of any year that we've had that Scott Wilder has run conventions. So. Again, I can't thank you enough. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be on your show and to have been invited to come and talk about my career and talk about Scott Wilder's promotion and about WrestleStock. Again, I'm looking so forward to it. It's in a couple of weeks. Actually, I think it might be 15 or 20, only 15 or 20 days away. Go to Scott Wilder uh, Promotions on Facebook. Get your tickets early. Don't miss out. Awesome stuff, Billy. Thank you so much for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You have a great night, my friend. Take care. Thank you. You too. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.